listening to the All Things Good podcast. Hello and welcome to the All Things Good podcast. Today I'm joined by Jonah Lancaster. Jonah was born with Treacher Collins syndrome, a condition where some bones and tissues in the face aren't fully developed. He has a new book coming out on July 20th called Not All Heroes Wear Capes. Incredible story of how one young man found happiness by embracing his differences. Jonah, how you doing? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Doing pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, uh, thank you for taking the time. And you know, I mentioned a little bit, uh, you know, about Teacher Collins and you know something you were born with and you know grew up with. Can you maybe just describe that to uh, the audience a little bit more, as it might be something maybe not a lot of people are familiar with? Yes. Yeah, so. You're born with Treach Collins, and sometimes it's passed down through the family, through genetics. And so, for instance, if I were potentially going to have my own child, there's a 50-50 chance that I may pass it on to my child. But from in my situation, I was a sporadic mutation. So there was no family history of Treach Collins. And um, yeah, born with Treach Collins, and it was a, a shock to everyone, to say the least. And Treach Collins affects individuals differently. So always the facial facial features. Um, for me, I, I don't have any cheekbones. So my eyes appear downwards. Um, my ears haven't developed properly. So I call them my little Bart Simpson ears, which means I'm hard of hearing. So I wear a hearing aid. Um, my jaw is um, smaller, shallower. Um, and for me, that means I'm a really loud snorer. Um, but in other cases, you know, some people need a trach uh, to help them breathe. Others need help with eating. Um, they have feeding tubes. Um, so, yeah, affects individuals differently. Yeah. And is there any, uh, you know, like for for this, is there any like uh, treatment that you have to do or any uh, potential cures for this going forward or kind of? What's the situation with that? So I was offered treatment throughout my entire life. Me and my mom spent so much time in hospital, hearing tests, speech tests, um, speech therapy, um, just trying to work out what the future would look like. And when it came to surgeries, my mom always had this attitude of, if it's going to improve his well-being and his health, let's do it. So I have a bone anchored hearing aid. So my mom supported me doing that when I was younger. And then there was always conversations around, we can build his cheekbones up. We can give him cheek implants. We can do prosthetic ears. We can pull his jaw forward. And my mom always gave me the power to make those choices. Like that's his face. Um, and she supported me the best she could with the understanding of it all and what it meant. Um, and I declined surgery on my face uh, for various reasons throughout life. And um, as I've grown older, I've fallen in love with this face. And um, so yeah, other individuals, uh, they, like I said, they do have tracheostomies, feeding tubes. Um, some individuals choose to have prosthetic ears and cheek implants. 
fat injections around their eyes, the jaw brought forward. Some need these to help them just breathe. Um, so what's worked for me may not necessarily work for somebody else. You know, it's everybody's different. Yeah, I think it's, you know, amazing, you know, because you've, you've definitely blown up on uh, social media over the past years. And I think for good reason where people, you know, they resonate with you in a way in terms of, you know, everyone's got their own differences that they're going through, but they don't know how to deal with them. Right. So, you know, it could be you're putting on weight as you get older. It could be, you know, a number of different issues. And I think, you know, like you said, when you embraced your differences, you know, I think that just like it shows people like, you know, we are who we are. And, you know, I've always said like, you know, like every version of yourself deserves to be loved. You know, like there's been times where I've been in far better shape than I am now. But, you know, you have to you have to learn to embrace, uh, you know, every version of yourself. So for you, how did you, you know, get to that point of saying, no, this is this is who I am? Oh, you know, I wish there was an easy answer to say, this is how I got to this point. Um, and, and I guess that's why I've, I wrote a book. It's, it's all in the book. It was a lot of trial and error, if, if I'm being honest. Throughout life, I developed so many coping strategies. And it might have been going to, it was going to the gym. It was... Um, becoming obsessed with exercise and food and sunbeds. Then it was expensive clothes. It was bottling up my problems and not talking. It was being a class clown and being anger and lashing out. I developed so many coping strategies. Uh, not looking at my face was another one. And they were all so short term and also temporary. You know, they would give me an instant, okay, I can, I'm okay, I can get by. Uh, but long term, that was just holding me back and preventing me from embracing and doing the work that I needed to do. And in more recent years, through my late 20s, early 30s, that self love, being able to look at myself being able to go within myself and do some work on my inner child and go into therapy, doing meditation and realizing, like you said, my body's going to change. Um, my income's going to change throughout life. The people in my circle's forever going to change. Well, myself, my being is, this is my safe place. This is my home. And um, yeah, celebrating that and loving all that and all those changes is is key to me being happy. Yeah. And, you know, it, it takes a lot of work. Like you said, it can be hard to, you know, like a lot of people just put a Band-Aid on, you know, to try and patch up, you know, trauma or pain. Uh, you know, But it takes a lot of work to, you know, go to therapy and really, you know, look inward at yourself and say, what can I do to get me out of this instead of just keep putting a Band-Aid on the situation? 100 um, percent. Last year, I was in a really good place last year. And things were just cruising and I was happy. You know, when I played soccer, I was scoring a goal. Um, when I was doing charity events, people would listen and donate and get involved. Um, uh, just things were going great. And then I went through a breakup and, oh, my God, it crushed me. And it was so unexpected. And then all of a sudden I was like, 
I found myself loving this person even more. And I was like, oh, oh, there's something there. And I spoke to a good friend of mine who's just an incredible human being. And he's like, you need to work on abandonment and rejection. And I cried. And I was like, man, I thought I'd done this. <laughs> I thought I'd done all this work. Right. Um, and we started doing the work on the inner child. And yeah, it doesn't, you might see that I have a book. You might see me being positive and happy and what have you, but I've still got work to do. We've still got all got work to do and I'm still winging it and still, yeah, life is ups and downs. Yeah, it's, you know, it's ongoing hard work. Uh, you know, like you said, it's up and down, it's waves, it's a roller coaster. Uh, but, you know, it's it's about finding for you what always brings you back to the core and you know knowing yourself so i i think that's awesome that you're that you know that about yourself and you work on yourself uh because it is so easy i feel like you know when something like a breakup or something happens to you it's so easy to just unravel right but if you have like that if you just know what brings you back and you can work on yourself you know you eventually just become bulletproof in a way well, I I mean, there were definitely times in my life where something hard would happen and I would be like, okay, I need to move on from this as quickly as possible. I would go out with my friends. I would watch a movie. I would grab some beers. I would comfort eat. I would go to the gym, whatever it was, to try and take my mind off it and try and move on. Whereas now I'm like, no, I need to stay with this. I need to work out why I'm feeling like this. And it's it's not very nice. And and it I get anxious and my heart feels heavy. But I know that I need to stay there for a while and do some processing. Allow it to pass. And um yeah, it it it's hard. And I won't say I'm bulletproof, but I've definitely got, I don't know, the best tools and shields and safety nets and uh, anything else I can grab to help me when those bullets do come yeah I like that I like that would uh I know so early on you know your life was uh you know tough can you describe a little bit more about uh your your birth family and uh they give you gave you up for adoption correct that's right um so when I was born, like I said, there was no family history. So it was a shock that I would look like this. And they decided that it was best that we went our separate ways. Um, they went home. I remained into the I remained in the hospital. And then social services had the task of finding somebody to care for me. And when I was two weeks old, they introduced me to a foster carer. Um, a lady called Jean, a um, single mom. Um, her kids had grown up and left the house and um, she just invested her time in, in children that didn't have a family, that didn't have a home. And yeah, she eventually took me home and tried to reconnect with my birth parents for five years and that didn't work out and adopted me when I was five. And um, yeah, I'm incredibly lucky that um, I was given that foundation and they are very, very lucky. 
So is uh, is Jean the one that you refer to as as mom that you were talking about earlier? Yeah, that my yeah. So my mom is Jean, the one who adopted me. She always has been, and I've always known that I was adopted. I always knew that there was that two other people, you know, brought me into this world and gave me life. And um, I didn't know who they were. I didn't know anything about them. And growing up, I created backstories for them and um, had these images in my head of who they are, who they were and what they did. Um, so, yeah, I've always known um, as, a, as a child, I just thought it was ace. Like, oh, my mum went to the hospital and cho chose me. Out of all the other kids there, my mum chose me. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. But then growing up, teenage years, um, you know, I was like, oh, okay, mom, why did you have to adopt me? You know, why am I with you? Why you, a single mom that lived in a council house, why couldn't my birth parents cope, but you can? And yeah, it, it became very difficult in my teenage years. And how, how was your uh, like initial reaction to that news, finding out that your birth family uh, didn't want you or approve of you? There was no first reaction. I, I've just always known. Mum always had conversations when I was a kid. On the eighth, I was adopted on the 18th of May, 1990. And we had a party. We had cake. I got some toys. Um, my friends came round. And I was like, oh, there was like a little news article in the local paper. Happy Adoption Day. And we celebrated it every year, Adoption Day. And I was like, and, and it, it's just something that I always knew. And I were always able to talk to my mom about. And she would always answer and have the conversations with me in words that I would understand. And then, like I said, when I got into my teenage years, I really started to question it. Like I always knew, but then I started to question why. Why did they leave me? Why did they leave me? Um, so, yeah. And, uh, have you had any over the years contact with them at all? You know, uh, like now that you're, you know, writing a book and you've become, you know, famous on social media, have they, they haven't tried reaching out or anything, have they, or have you ever had any contact with them? So in my mid twenties, I was in a really, really good place. Um, I had my circle of people my immediate environment was a real good safe place. Um, and I'd done a lot of emotional work. And I started having conversations with my partner at the time, my friends and my mum. And I was like, I think I want to reach out to my birth parents. And and I just want to let them know that I was okay and that I was well and I was happy and that I was open to meeting them. So I sat down with an adoption agency and we had these conversations and the adoption agency read all my files, all my paperwork. And they were very honest with me. They were like, Jono, the language here is very negative. I don't think they will um, want to meet you or I don't think they'll respond, but we can try. It's up to you. So again, I had more conversations with those around me and I was like, no, I would like to reach out to them, please. I'm okay and I'm open to meeting them. So together we put a letter and we sent it out to them. 
and we waited. And two weeks went by and we got a letter back from my birth parents and it simply said, we do not wish any contact. Further attempts will be ignored. And both my birth parents had signed it. And um, yeah, it, it crushed me. I was like rejected again, you know, all those years later. And my mom hugged me and my partner and I just cried. I just remember crying. And I was like, you know what, I've tried and I have this beautiful life around me. And yeah, it might not have always been easy, but it's all led to where I am today. And that's pretty special. So yeah, again, I'm very lucky that I had mum. And I think maybe if I didn't have her, then maybe my attitude towards my birth parents might have been a little bit different. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I think it, you know, it speaks to you as a character to, you know, have that forgiveness and love in you still. It could be so easy for someone today to say, I hate those people, screw them, what they did to me. Uh, how did you, you know, were is it was it because you were in just such a good place or how did you get to a point where you were just saying, you know what, it's fine. I I have a good life around me. I have good people in my life. Um, you know, I'm ready to move on from that. There was definitely the, I have a good life. I have good people around me. I, I'd done a lot of work to get to that place. Um, so there was a lot of that going on that helped me get through this. But I spent so many years of my life, like my life that I won't get back, full of hate, full of anger, and and that hate and that anger that I had towards my birth parents, that sat inside me and consumes you. Yeah, it consumed me. It rotted to it rotted my core. And during that, I hated my face, I hated my being, I hated my life, and it just took over. And I've worked so hard in letting that hate and that anger go. And once I did. And I was like, you know what? My birth parents gave me life. And that life is being given to me. And I need to fill it with love and adventure. And I do. And the more I do that, the happier I am. My world is more brighter and colorful. And um, yeah, it's all kind of worked hand in hand. Uh, but yeah, carrying that hate around, I get it. I've done it, but didn't do me any favors at all. Yeah, and that, that takes a lot of strength. And, you know, like there's this monk saying that, you know, we become stronger by forgiving. And I think that's probably what happened with you is, you know, when the pain becomes so much that you need to let it, you know, you eventually say, I need to let this go or it's going to just destroy me. Yeah, 100%. I was just, it was so heavy to carry. And yeah, being able to, let it go has been huge. I mean, Miley Cyrus, um, I heard a song of hers a few years ago and the opening lines is, I feel so much younger now. And I was like, oh my God, I do. I feel so alive. So like, oh, I need to experience life because I just come out of this, there was this energy shift. And um, I was like, oh my God, I need to start living. And um, yeah, that's what, I, that's what I've done, started living. 
so this uh this book that comes out uh july 20th uh what you know what was the the big inspiration to finally write this book and what are you excited about most with it um i never planned to share my story um or any any of this really but i did a school talk years ago and i talked about self-love and acceptance and i just shared everything with all these students and i i i found it hard dropped my hearing aid when i started talking at first my bottom lip started to shake i wanted to cry or that i was that nervous um and at the end of it i got through it and at the end of it they all gave me a round of applause and i was like oh kids will just clap at anything and uh, the school bell when they went to break time and i headed out waiting for my taxi and i was like oh that just went terrible and then some kids ran over and they're like oh jenno jenno can we see your hearing aids and i was like yeah sure so i showed them my hearing aid and they're like, oh my God, that's so cool. I've got a baby sister at home and all she does is cry. And I would love to be able to not listen to my baby sister. And I was like, oh my God, I do that with my mum. When my mum's shouting at me, I turn my hearing aid off. And they're like, oh my God, that's so cool. And then some more kids run over. And they're like, oh, Jenna, can you come and play football with us? I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. So I started walking over to play football with them. Some more kids came running over. And they're like, Jenna, I live with my grandparents. I don't know my mum and dad. Jano, I get bullied because I've got freckles. And one student, she pulled down her sleeve and she was missing a finger. And she's like, I'm going to show my hand more. And I had all these kids around me. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I don't know what's just happened, but I need to do more of this. And I need to continue to talk. So I continue to speak in schools. And now I speak on stages. Uh, on screens uh, like, and there's a saying be who you needed when you were younger and I absolutely love that saying I love that quote and I was like to all those little John, like I'm now working on my inner child I'm like all those little Johnos and we've all got insecurities we've all got certain things that scare us and, and when I do speak people like Jono I felt that I get that I've been there and the book it's like okay I want to do a book and when I speak I I want I wanted the reader to get that same feeling listening to me like well when they're reading and it's a journey and yes it is my story but throughout the book there's all these little tasks for the reader to do and I, I get you thinking and I get you to open up and we look at boundary setting and we look at doing work with the inner child we look at the environments that we put ourselves in um there's so much in the book that we go on a journey together and um yeah i'm nervous and i'm excited to 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 put it out there and ah uh, yeah if the reader can take something away then yeah that's that's the ultimate goal yeah I, you know i think it's amazing you had that experience with those kids and you know kind of shows people like you know to embrace their differences and, you know, apply your story to their story, you know, um, your story is so unique, but I think a lot of people can take something away from it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, there was one point in my life where when I was speaking, I thought I was talking to somebody with Treacher Collins 
but the more I've spoken to audiences all over the world, so many people from all walks of life with different experiences, different backgrounds, like Jano, I felt that I've been there. And does this at times we do think we're the only one, but the more we open up and the more we share, people like, yeah, I've been there. I felt like that too. And you're just like, oh, oh, and you all of a sudden you're processing and yeah, it's yeah, it's been special. And the more I've celebrated who I am and the more I've celebrated my differences, the more people that have reached out and the more doors that have opened and the more things that I've attracted. And it's just it's been pretty beautiful. And I advise I encourage everybody to celebrate who they are and their quirks and their uniqueness because yeah people dig that people love that and yeah yeah it's like you know everyone it's like you said everyone has their own insecurities or things they're working through you know you know I've dealt with my my own mental health problems at times and you know that's why I've I've started trying to do more mental health stories on you know the podcast and all things good because I, I I do think there's like a bigger thing to you know, mental health, everyone has their own story of some sorts, right? 100%. Um, I did um, a conference three, got five years ago. And again, it's in the book. Everybody knew my story from full of self-hate to self-love. And I shared this story and it was really, really positive. And everybody, oh my God, Jono, you've made it, you've made it. That's amazing. And then five years ago, despite all that success and all that happiness and all that emotional work that I'd done and all that growth, all that healing, five years ago, I was at my most suicidal. And I was like, where did all this come from? I was like, I thought I'd done the work. And I shared with the same audience that had heard my story before. And I shared about my suicidal thoughts and the incidents that had happened and the work that I'd done after it. And they were like, oh, oh. And it's just, we're all going through something and we need to talk about it. We need to be open about it. And, you know, hopefully these things about more we talk about it, the more we are open about it, hopefully they will pass. And in the book, at the end, there's so many resources for people to look into with, with suicidal thoughts and therapy and abuse and men's clubs. There's, there's so many resources in the book that people can look into after reading the book. Um, yeah, we're in this together. And um, that is about the book. In the book, it's very much we and we're together. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm glad that you have a platform that encourages people to yeah talk about their mental health and their well being. Um, it's hugely important. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, what would you you know for people listening? What would be your advice for people who are going through their own mental health uh, struggles? You know, do you have any advice for people on how to deal with that? um there's so much in the book so selfless plug by the book um I've just recorded the audio as well so you'll get me speaking to you through the book as well um but some 
when we're going through difficulties, people are like, oh, I need, to, it's so hard. I've got this to do. I've got this to do. And there's a lot of work you've got to do when it comes to mental health, for sure. Well, there's a lot of basic things that we can do right away. And that is making sure that we're hydrated, making sure that we've got food and nutrients in his body, making sure we've got some sun on his skin, making sure that we get some activity, some exercise, some walking, some dancing, just some movement in our body. These things are so just relaxing your shoulders, taking a deep breath and filling your whole lungs up with, with some air, screaming, shouting, crying, listening to your favorite song. These are basic things that you can do right now. And then the more you do those basic things, then it's like building blocks to then go on to whatever it is that you're working towards. That might be sitting down and speaking to somebody, but you need all these building blocks first. Yeah, it's so true. Uh, you know, whenever I exercise, I just feel substantially better, you know, and I've come up with this routine for myself where I write in a journal every day and I have um I, I call it x square circle w and i have to get all those symbols every day so an x stands for i worked out that day you know square means i read at least 10 pages that day circle means i didn't drink any alcohol that day and w means i got my full water intake for the day and i've noticed once i've done that when i have a full day it's it's a great day you know I think it's so like for me, it's just like a tool I use that then I can if I have a you know a shit day, I can say, let's go find out why I did have a you know, shit day. And then you see like, oh, I ate like crap today. No wonder I feel bad. <laughs> um, that's that's brilliant. And again, that's you doing the basics. That's that's you doing the basics. And the thing that I would add into that is being kind to yourself. The language that we use, we're listening. And I remember as a teenager, I'd be like, you idiot, you moron, you absolute loser. Why have you done that? And I'd be like, so unkind to myself. So when I am having a bad day, if I've not gone to the gym or if I have a drink or if I've eaten the entire cake, I'm like, you know what? That's okay. Sometimes we're full of ale and sometimes we're full of kale. You know, it's never a perfect balance. Sometimes it's all ale and sometimes all it's all kale. Um, so, yeah, sometimes it's there is a balance, this weird balance, not like a perfect balance. It's yeah, you've got to be kind to yourself. You've got to allow. We're human beings. We make mistakes. Um, so yeah, I'm yeah. definitely a. I used to be pretty guilty of that. Where you know, I'm trying to achieve these big things and I would try and hold myself to these perfect standards. And eventually you're like, I'm just going to continue to get crushed by these expectations unless I'm, you know, a little bit kinder myself. And it's like, like, it's like, there's this saying that says, uh, you know, you wouldn't talk to your best friend the way you talk to yourself in your mind. It's like, so why do you say those things to yourself? Because you talk to, you know, talking in your head, your thoughts more than anyone else in your whole life so don't talk to yourself that way yeah 100 every day you go to bed with a head full of thoughts and a heart that beats for you and only you and 
you've got to look after those two things. So, yes, be kind to yourself. Fill yourself up with goodness, but also allow yourself to have those rest days and those cake days um, as well. Yeah. Sometimes full of ale and kale. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so, again, one of my coping strategies was I was obsessed with food. And I, like, I need to eat two chicken breasts, vegetables, kale, um, and, and that's it. I needed abs 24-7. I used to run in the sauna. I used to dehydrate myself. I'm obsessed with sunbeds. And I was like, I need to do this daily, daily, daily. And if I couldn't see my abs, I was like, oh, I only can eat one chicken breast. I need to do an extra 15 minutes on the treadmill. Or I need to spend more time in the sauna. Oh, I, I can't drink as much. And I would be so horrible and cruel to myself. And it, it, I was just a mess emotionally. And whereas now I am genuinely, if I want a beer, I will have a beer. If I want a cake, a donut, a pizza, I will have those things. But I also know if I'm not in a good place mentally, alcohol is the worst thing for me. Yeah. Um, again, it's recognizing who we are, recognizing our triggers, what gives us comfort, a healthy comfort, and what gives us like a negative comfort. So, yeah. And you think, you know, everyone's probably got different things that will trigger them and, you know, bring them back to the core. You know, for you, was it just a matter of, uh, you know, trial and error getting to that point like this, this will trigger me, this will make me feel good, um, you know, because everyone's probably got their own, their own thing. It's, yeah, it, it's been trial and error. And one of the biggest things I've been able to do is, like I've said, said about it before, when something happens and we feel sad and we feel down, we want that quick fix. Oh, I'm going to drink so I, don't, so I don't have to deal with it. I just want to forget about it. Oh, I've just been broke. I've just broken up, so I'm going to jump into the next person. Oh, um, somebody's called me fat, so I'm going to go to the gym. Somebody's called me ugly, so I'm going to wear more makeup. We go these, we do these quick fixes, and we want to move on from that hurt and that pain so quickly because we don't want to deal with it. But like I said, we need sometimes we need to sit in the shit, and we'll kind of get comfortable in there and kind of work out what's going on. And it's always going to be shit because it's shit, but. We need to recognize what helps us get past that, what helps us get through that. Um, yeah. yeah, it's like I've always, you know, said uh, there's always answers at rock bottom if you're willing to look for them. You know, some people, if they're at rock bottom, they're immediately just trying to push off the bottom and go swimming right to the top. But if you can look around, search why you're there, what you can do to not get back there, uh, you know, I think... Mm -hmm. A lot of people, like you said, they just want that quick fix or band-aid, you know, but sometimes you gotta truck through mud. Yeah, like you got like you said, you gotta sit in the shit. Yeah, and and it's not nice and nobody wants to do it. Um hard work. It is, it is. And like I said, I, I was in the grocery store the other day and um a mute a song was playing. And I was like, and it triggered some emotions, and I got a little bit vulnerable and a little bit upset, and I was like. Oh no. And I got I was like, okay, it's okay. And I just talked to myself through it. It's okay. It's okay. Bought myself a pizza, got in my car, put on some tunes on, had a little bit of a sing, did a longer route home. And bit time I got home, I was like, okay, 
It's all right. I always feel so good when you like are able to turn around like that and you know kind of confront how you're feeling instead of running away from it. Well, yeah, in the past I was I would have ignored it. I was just like, oh, whatever, forget about it, don't think about it. But I was just like, oh, okay, let's 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 go on with this and let's work through this. And I did, and I was able to turn it around, but that was practice. It's taken me a lot of practice to be able um to do that and um yeah and again it's it's being kind to yourself it's being kind to yourself being take giving yourself don't give yourself a hard time yeah and uh you know i i'm really excited for your your book to come out in july uh everyone listening july 20th not all heroes wear capes an incredible story of how one young man found happiness by embracing his differences uh jonah lancaster i i think it's going to be an amazing read man i'm excited for you i yeah it's i've just i recorded the audiobook uh three four days ago and i i've been doing work on my inner child and to help me work through my inner child um i've got one of my old teddies um he's got one of my old rugby shirts on that i used to wear when i um, was a kid coming out of my surgeries and he is little Jay. Mm-hmm. And I took him with me to the readings and um, he sat in the chair while I read. I he listened to everything that we've been through. And he listened to all the growth and all the healing and all the work that we've done. And like we've come full circle and we did it together. And um, it, it was so healing. And um, yeah, I can't wait to share it with everybody and i can't wait to hear what healing and what work people have started doing once i've read the book or listen to the book um so, oh yeah I'm, I'm sure this will open a lot of doors for people and you know help people on their own healing process so i'm excited to see that as well uh where can where can people maybe pre-order the book or or get it when it comes out so it's available to pre-order now um, if you go onto my Instagram, channel Lancaster, um, on my bio, there's a pre-order link there. Um, International is Blackwell's. Um, the audio book is where you get your audio books from. Um, audio, audio book, audible. And um, yeah, available to pre-order and will be delivered on the 20th of July. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, everyone... Everyone listening, uh, Jonah Lancaster, author to be in July. I'm excited for it. So uh, thank you for listening and thanks for joining us today, Jonah. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And if anybody after listening to this wants to have further conversations um, or wants to share some more stories, thoughts, then I encourage everybody to get in touch with yourself or myself and we can have more conversations and um yeah, give each other some three therapists.